there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and you're listening to Science Versus from Gimlet. Lately on the show, we've been talking a lot about misinformation, the problems it can cause, how it spreads and what to do about it. But there's an even more blatant way that people undermine the facts, and it's called disinformation. This is where fake information is spread deliberately to mislead people. And this has been a huge issue with Russia and its war on Ukraine. Since Russia attacked Ukraine a month ago, they've been pumping out propaganda, basically trying to create an alternate reality that's a million miles away from the facts. So today... We're going to hear from two journalists who are trying to tell the real story here. So meet Pyotr Rusavin. He's an independent journalist from Russia. I was born and I grew in Moscow. Several years ago, he fell in love with and then married Natal Kumenik, a Ukrainian who lives in Kyiv. I began to start living between two cities. She's also a journalist, a famous one in Ukraine. A month ago, they were together in Kyiv when Russia invaded Ukraine and the war started. After this, everything, everything changes. There is, uh, there is just black and white. Millions of people were forced to flee their homes. Thousands have since died. And very quickly, some cities and towns in the southern part of Ukraine were taken by Russian troops, and they were occupied. And meanwhile... Russia has been blocking independent media in Russia and spreading this bizarre story that Russians are in Ukraine to fight Nazis. And as you'll hear through this episode, Russian forces are even trying to convince Ukrainians in the occupied territories that they are there to find Nazis. I asked Pyotr, why Nazis? I mean, the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, is Jewish. For Russian society, there was only one real war, the war. It's so the great patriotic war. And uh, so this is a part of Second World War where the Soviet Union uh, defeated Nazi Germany. And it's a great source of pride in Russia. So when Russian authorities say that they are fighting against Nazis in Ukraine, they uh, want to make an image of an enemy that is not, you know, like your relative Ukrainian, but some bloody Nazi that took control over Ukraine. And while some Russians aren't buying this, when academics analyze Putin's propaganda campaigns, they say that that's not the whole point. Part of his strategy is probably just to confuse people, to make them think that there's no truth, that everyone lies. And if person starts thinking like this. So he will um, take the truth that is more convenient for him. And of course, it's, it's for a big part of Russian society, it's uh, convenient to think that their president and their country is not killing Ukrainian people. 
And so Piotr and his wife have been reporting on what's happening. And they started a podcast called Fuck War. For me as a Russian journalist, it's, uh, and uh, I feel it as a part of my job to try to tell what's really happening from my point of view, the only mission, um, to highlight what's happening from different sides of this, uh, this uh, horrible shit. So today, we're going to take you inside Ukraine to see how Russia has tried to get its propaganda machine up and running in some parts of the country. We'll be hearing stories from the third episode of Pyotr and Natalka's podcast, Fuck War. Pyotr recorded this episode on March 21st. The war had been going for 26 days. And some cities were being occupied by Russian troops, where Ukrainians were protesting. This episode zooms in on a couple of these occupied towns, Melitopol and Kherson. Some of what you'll hear is in Russian and Ukrainian, but Pyotr's going to walk us through what's happening. On the 20th of March, Sunday, Ukrainians protested the occupation. It went quite smoothly, but the day after, things changed. Russian security forces threw stun grenades and opened fire at the protesters in Kherson. And locals posted videos of civilians who had been injured. <laughs> Protests in occupied territories have been going on for several weeks. At the same time, people started to disappear. Local politicians who refused to cooperate with the Russian army, activists, journalists. Among them is the mayor of Melitopol, Ivan Fedorov. Melitopol had been occupied by the Russian troops since the start of the war in February. And uh, the protest against occupation started there immediately. And the mayor defiantly refused to give up or cooperate with the occupants. This is Mayor Fedorov. He is saying that the TV and radio towers are controlled by the armed Russian forces. On the 11th of March, he has been detained and replaced by Galina Danilchenko. She was a member of a pro-Russian party in Ukraine. And now is a Russian collaborator. He is one of her first speeches in Melitopol. She is saying that our main goal is to get used to the new reality, to start a new way of life as soon as possible. She says that people in the city shouldn't take part in extremist actions. I ask you to be sensible, she says. Propaganda is a very important weapon in this war. In fact, when the Russians started occupying Ukrainian towns, the first thing they did was to block the Ukrainian broadcasting and start showing the Russian radio and television stations. 
Here are some examples of radio programs that are being broadcasted in Berdyansk, which is near Melitopol and is also occupied by Russian troops. They say that Russia fights not against Ukrainians, but groups of nationalists. The radio broadcasts say Our main goal is to restore normal functions of state authorities and business and to create conditions for the unification of the Russian Federation and Ukraine. They say that it's necessary that Russian guard forces patrol the streets. Russia doesn't want to hurt the Ukrainian people, but to protect Russia from those who took Ukraine hostage. It is, of course, propaganda. The mayor of Melitopol, Fedorov, real mayor, was released fairly quickly. Ukrainian authorities exchanged him for nine Russian soldiers. After that, he got a call from President Zelensky himself, who later awarded him with the Order of Courage. President Zelensky says that he is very glad to hear from the mayor. You have the voice of an alive man, he says. The mayor, Fedorov, thanks Zelensky for not leaving him. We don't abandon our own, says Zelensky. Zelensky says he's very happy to have Fedorov back. On the 19th of March, I spoke with a woman in Melitopol, Tatiana Kumok. She's a citizen of Israel, born in Melitopol. She's been there since the start of the war. And she told us what it was like to live under Russian occupation. She says the Russian special forces were chasing protesters and yelling catch the young and kick their legs. They took people outside the city and made them rub their faces with zelenka. Uh, this is green antiseptic used in the former USSR. It's painful if it gets in your eyes and the green stains your face. So it's uh, some kind of a traditional form of humiliation in the former USSR. They would beat people up, kick their teeth out and leave them on the road, she says. The Russian special forces, this is police, specifically brought from Russia to do these nasty things. She talked about Russian state TV that's now broadcasting in Melitopol. And uh, the news reports say that the Russians are fighting against Nazis here. And she asks, who are the Nazis? Me and my Jewish dad? Tatiana says she feels like she's in a movie about the extermination of Jews during the Holocaust. 
but that it feels like a new nation is being exterminated this time. And she adds that there are flyers around the city saying, we're looking for Nazis, contact us to help. There will be a prize given for every Nazi surrounder. I ask her, is it possible to get out of the city, to escape? As she says, there is only one way to leave, to Crimea, which is controlled by Russia. They can't go to Ukraine-controlled territory because it's blocked by Russian soldiers. Tatiana says that Russia has blocked access to food in the city also. She's worried about people starving. She tells me that uh, Ukrainian sources are encouraging locals in Russian-occupied territories to dismantle the railroad tracks running to Crimea. And Tatiana laughs because she remembers in the 90s people stealing the rails. So she thinks that many hands still remember how to do it. We say our goodbyes. Soon after I spoke to her, Tatiana, her mother and her father, a founder of a local news outlet, were detained by Russians. I told Natalka the news, and she sent me this voice message. I wonder if you can hear the birds. The spring has come. It's very warm in Kiev. It was very cold, very cold before. But you know, as about the situation, unfortunately, things are not really good. Because if before they managed to tolerate all those pro-Ukrainian protests, now they are just going door to door looking for pro-Ukrainian activists. They also brought a lot of riot police from Russia. And because these sites have never been occupied before, every other person is a pro-Ukrainian to them. Everyone is a friend of some soldier, Well, you know, so they basically started going door to door and the situation has gone worse. People even talk about some murders, abductions. So it must be very depressing in all these cities. The cities are Ukrainian, so everyone, people, society, journalists, share the same official, you know, like just citizen, pro-Ukrainian stance, obviously. So basically you could accuse any public person or something uh, in the villages The, the soldiers are taking food from uh, the people living in those villages. They are taking their phones, so they are not communicating with anybody. They are taking pigs to slaughter them and to 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 eat them. So, uh, really, there is quite a quite a difficult situation, and 
It's uh, the problem is these are the towns where we do not have uh, real access. So the situation is not good. And I'm thinking this is the next chapter of what is going on to happen to these occupied cities. Soon after Piotr published his episode, he found out that Tatiana and her parents had been released. But he says that many more are still missing in the occupied territories. And as we're finishing up this episode, Russia and Ukraine were having peace talks. So we'll see what unfolds. For now, Pyotr and Natalk will keep reporting. She's going to be moving closer to the occupied territories. And they'll keep putting out their podcast, Fuck War. We're going to put a link to it in our show notes. And if you want to listen to the full episodes, which I totally recommend you do, they're in Russian and Ukrainian, but we've transcribed the first three episodes in English. There's a link in the show notes as well. So that means you can listen to Piotr and Natalk and read the English translation. That is if your Slavic languages are a bit rusty. And if you'd like to hear more from our show, Science Verses, head over to our main feed by searching for Science Verses in Spotify. That's science VS. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time.